in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Today, we have Elliot Crane and also his second appearance. So, hey. <laughs> hey. yeah, I'm the first number two, right? We can put it that way, or, or maybe like <laughs> we'll let you think that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. That's that's all I want is validation. You can be the first number four if you want. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah, I'm super. I'm super pumped to be back here. I loved hanging out with you guys last time. That was so much fun. Love the depth and the focus of the conversation and um yeah so when john asked me to come back i was like hell yeah especially because community is a theme of the podcast and i just have so many thoughts on community and and questions for you guys to to help me answer so i want to start off with a really important question relating to remote work and community and that is, what is the ideal work from home attire? <laughs> Who wants to take this one first? <laughs> um, I, I'm, I just woke up from a nap and then I put my sweater on. I have a, a golf polo and a, a, a sweater and then a hat because I thought I would be stylish today and be like, hey, I don't need to not wear a hat oh wait i think a hat would be cool to wear with a, a sweater i don't know i thought it would be nice i saw great. i saw hugh wearing a hat and then i said i want to be cool too so I <laughs> uh, but yeah but really I, I i personally know that it's you know the uh the work remote culture for the tech industry has probably uh, you know happened due to how it is in silicon valley a lot and that's just been the <clears throat> the hoodie, sweats or shorts and t-shirt fashion. And that being said, personally, on the working remotely aspect, if I'm in calls and such, which I'm pretty much daily, I will try to actually have at least you know some type of polo or button up now. But that's just personal prep. Yeah, <laughs> a polo. I think that's a smart way to go. Uh, why do you, do your, are your clients, like, do you work in a semi-professional environment or is that just for your, like you feel better or uh, tell me about that? On average, most people actually are just in regular clothing and still look, you know, solid mm. t-shirts pretty much daily for every, a lot of people, uh, personally, I don't know. I just, I decided that's more where I feel more comfortable I suppose it just makes me feel good when I turn on the camera. I'm like, I realize there have been a few times where it's happened where, you know, I'm at work or I've worked remotely or something. And then I just like pop off. I don't even think about clothing because I'm not exactly fashion driven. And then I pop out and like hang out with friends or something. I'm like, Oh, I turned up on accident looking decent. <laughs> <laughs> you just slid into that social <laughs> Like not in purpose. <laughs> That's ex exactly why I actually realized this is a good benchmark to hold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It's true. It's true. I think I think for me there is a little bit of that like competitive nature to it. I'm like, I, you know, 
if the other guy's wearing a t-shirt, I want to be wearing a polo. Like, I can just do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, for me, for me, um, most, <laughs> most days, I am like just kind of a t-shirt person, but I've been working in this, I've been in this remote work community for like a month that I've been living with. And when I'm around them, I just feel like this drive to wear collared t-shirts and collared shirts to put on the appearance of professionalism and seriousness <laughs> because there's nothing inherent in my environment that forces me to be. So like by putting on a, a semi-serious t-shirt, I feel more focused on my work. So it was a requirement to work remotely to be in that house. Um, it's a good question. I don't actually know. I mean, there's a, uh, where I'm living now, there's a student as well. So, um, yeah. And I don't, they don't do any checks or anything like that, but I think it's just like a certain kind of vibe that filters out as well. Like if you wanted to just party, then you would not move into a place like this because everyone is like busy during the day and doesn't stay out late and like party like crazy and stuff like that so yeah yeah um what about john yeah oh yeah yeah what about you what about me yeah what what was the question (laughs) (laughs) what's your virtual attire yeah what's the virtual attire I mean, I'm, I'm in the office like three days a week these days, Yeah, but I work, I work in an industry where people traditionally wear suits to holiday parties and that's, that's new for me, but I think my long-term goal is to dress in a way where I can always like jog or do a yoga class, Mm. just, just like just be totally ready if if that opportunity comes so yeah like my my goal is to be like the lululemon man <laughs> this is amazing i love how <laughs> that's, that's a, i love that <laughs> what is this <laughs> i don't know it's just like i just we're similarly different like mine was to like look like enough to go out to you know grab a bite and then john's like i want to just be ready you know to hang out and then also go to yoga and something <laughs> active i'm like that's really cool active wear while you're professional all right yeah <laughs> and uh i I mean, I wear a button up to work sometimes, mm. but I used to always wear a button up when I went to the office and a few months in, I, I woke up one day and then I realized no one cares. My manager's manager is just wearing a t-shirt yeah. like to work. <laughs> and, and I was just like, if it's a deterrent for me to get to the office, mm-hmm. cause I have to choose a shirt, then I should just do whatever I'm comfortable with. So sometimes I wear a button up. Sometimes I just, I just feel like looking a little more professional, but my, my, my goal is to, is to like more and more be transparently whatever I'm comfortable with. And then to care less about what is professional for other people. Hmm. Uh, So another thing I did was I changed my LinkedIn photo from a, something that people recommend to 
me hiking with like these mm. awesome mountain ranges behind me mm. so yeah yeah i'm i'm just i, I want to be transparent about my dreams and aspirations and i think with work there will always be pieces of you that it's it's hard to be fully upfront about like because when i i filled out a survey and they said where do you think you'll be in three years and and if you're my coworker, then the answer is at the same company uh, working on some really great trading tools uh but but the the answer that i was thinking was like I don't know, hopefully, hopefully like backpacking and, and like France mm -hmm. or something. Like, I don't know, but yeah. like, hopefully if, if I am in a corporate environment, like hopefully I had a, a few months to go and do my own thing. It's because being in a corporate environment for more than four years seems a little bit sad, uh, but I don't know. It's like, being being there right now is opening up a lot of doors so like no hate for people who work salaried jobs um but anyways this podcast is about you elliot <laughs> and for some context uh elliot lived in new york city last year for about two months which months were they like september october <clears throat> yeah yeah and and then went wherever the hell you did for all of winter <laughs> like we we have uh, Elliot's location and once in a while I would be like oh is so-and-so like is my sister is my did my sister like make it uh to like is she on her way back to my apartment I would check and be like where's Elliot and then Elliot's in like <laughs> in like Egypt or something <laughs> you check a week later and then he's in like he's in like Kenya yeah <laughs> and then and then you check a week later and you're like where is that? And it's like Northern Washington, like on yeah. an island somewhere. So, uh, but Elliot is back. It's been about a month and good to have you back in the city. It seems like you want to make an effort to, to be out here longer. Um, and yeah, we went on a 50 or I went on a 48 mile bike ride. Elliot went on a 50 <laughs> mile bike ride. Thanks for the details. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's some that's some of the uh, backstory with Elliot being in my room. Also, I texted Elliot about the podcast, and he he did not know that we were doing a Zoom link. So I get a call ten minutes before. He's like, "Hey, I'll be I'm I'll be right there. I'm on a bike." <laughs> uh, but that's cool because he's right here now, and no CGI, <laughs> no CGI, the real deal. <laughs> but yeah, Elliot, do you want to talk a little bit about? about the community that you're trying to cultivate, mm -hmm. what you're trying to, just what you're trying to get going when, when you're out here and uh, if you've been, <clears throat> like how that progress has been so far. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. So backstory, worked through the pandemic remotely as a data scientist for a year and a half. And then I transitioned into a new fully remote, perma permanent, indefinitely remote job. So I knew that I was not going to be going back to the office, which was tr uh, not true for my previous role. And so one of the main 
things that for me makes or breaks the remote work experience is how much of a community feeling and how connected do I feel in my day-to-day work life. But I also really value autonomy. (laughs) So those can often be kind of um, opposing needs and desires. And I first ranked autonomy, which is basically in the remote work context, me being able to not have a bunch of supervision from my boss and manager and coworkers and everything like that, kind of just work how I want to, uh, when I want to. And I think a lot of people in the remote work community appreciate that. And, but I also have had many days where I felt very lonely and disconnected from people because of not having a work environment to go to. So um, through the pandemic, there's been a lot of these companies popping up that uh, help solve, their intention is basically to help solve that problem, which is to uh, create living establishments for people who are remote workers. And so it's kind of an interesting idea. Like you have, you bring all these remote workers together in, in one living situation and they're kind of like coworkers, but they don't actually work together. And they also live together. And so they're also friends. And so I was really excited about this. <clears throat> and uh, I knew I wanted to come back to New York after being here in the fall, but wanted to find a community that was more aligned with what I, my lifestyle and like who I was and what I wanted. So I found this group, which is called Outsight. And shout out outside <laughs> free marketing to our 1 million, our 1 million followers. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, I've been living there for three and a half weeks now. And overall, it's been, I was, I was nervous going into it, um, but it's been a really great experience so far. And I really get along really well with the people I'm living with. And um, that's been uh, so far the highlight of my experience in New York so far. So, uh, and yeah, it's just been great. And so within that, I've been, <clears throat> we've all been working, all of us in the outside that I'm living with, which has five other people in it right now. We'll have eight next week um, to foster the sense of community by doing activities together by catching up over lunch, by just having little chit chats during the day. Um, But yeah, everyone's been, seems to be on the same page and we're doing fun things. Like we had a pasta making night on Monday, pasta dinner that, that John got to be a part of as well. And we all sat around a table and ate together and build for those made those friendships a little bit deeper and had fun and joked around and yeah it was it was great so yeah that's um that's been my experience so far and I and I want to keep doing the co-living uh, especially with the other remote workers because um yeah it's just been a super rewarding experience fun fact after the dinner Elliot texted me and Leisha and then he says Vikram really liked you guys <laughs> and then Leisha and I were like what about everyone else like why, why is this 
And then also we're like, oh, we're glad we have Bikram's ap- approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, Bikram solicited it. I didn't ask everyone else's pr- opinion about <laughs> you guys. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That sounds like a cool little uh, co-working space. It, so it's pretty new or? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's maybe four or five years old but oh, it's um, been around for a bit now I mean, yeah, that's cool yeah. do you like apply or just kind of anybody pops in and there's a maximum occupancy and it goes from there uh yeah you don't even have to apply you, you just book it it's like a hotel almost you just go online and you have to book minimum one month at a time so they keep people <laughs> around for longer periods of time but yeah i mean it's it's not bad pricing and it's like in central Manhattan in central Midtown. So that's, that's fun. And that's nice too. Um, wow. Yeah. Nice. And different room sizes and such. Or yeah. Yeah. Different room sizes. I have, I have a pretty big room, but my room is um, it's street. It's like on the street, <laughs> like on street level. So there's like quite a bit of noise and it's cause it's a somewhat busy part of um, well, I th- I've been told it's not that busy, but it still feels pretty like there's a lot of cars going by and stuff. But yeah, Got it. So. I, I remember it's. I hope it's a better you experienced than my first place that I ever lived in San Francisco. It was a you know one of those uh, hacker houses, and I yeah. was the only person who wasn't in one of those hacker boot camps mm. um, or dev boot camps, I guess. And the, there was a three bedroom, ten people. And in one bedroom was four people, two bunk beds. Oh my god! One bedroom was what? It was a one bedroom had four people, so two bunk beds in it. And I had like a two hundred and twenty pound Asian man climbing onto the top bunk every night. Oh my god, that's insane! What was it? I think it was a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> so like cheap for San Francisco. Yeah, I mean. And then I moved out to Berkeley to try to figure out my life. But that's what happens. I mean, sometimes people just, you know, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Where do I live? Okay. And then you're like, oh, there's four people in my room. This is new. I thought I just graduated (laughs) college and I'm an adult. (laughs) I I guess I'm than I did in college. (laughs) Really? That's super funny. I, 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 was staying in the neg you might have remembered this because we we hung out a couple times yes you you were at the negev right so i i lived there too we were really yeah i was uh, so i think we were different times i feel like i remember this that was the 40 person like adult dorm basically and it had the theater room yeah 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 yeah. that's that's exactly and that's how i actually met a good crew of ours and then we kind of like found a place and (laughs) offboarded How long were you there? I, I, so I was there probably three or four months, I think. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was after Berkeley I moved in after 10 minutes in Berkeley. I was just like, the commute's too far. And then I needed to go into the city and then I decided, okay, you guess you have to drop quality of life. And then Negev was nice in a certain way, but so many people, but also, you know, had its perks and then moved to a house with people in mission after but son yeah for sure i i like the i did like the negative was it 40 people i thought it was like 75 people probably you know maybe i'm understanding it but there was a lot that's all i remember and and there were experience you know you just 
I feel like community housing, when it scales, needs to be scaled in a certain way, or else you get too polar, like too many different characters. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> there are some days I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like, who is this? Like, why is this person? I, why am I living with yeah. this person? Like, yeah. What are you doing? In you're doing NOS canisters in the living room? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh no, or whippets yeah. or whatever. Oh, this is true. I yeah, I lived with some guy who was like had a felony's worth of like every single drug. I was like, <laughs> so we're selling community housing very well right now. <laughs> we totally are. Yeah, I mean, if you're into that. <laughs> I mean, Elliot, you're aren't you planning to move to a house with 27 people? I am. I am. Yes, in uh, in Brooklyn. That's right. that's my that's my top choice right now. So we'll see. Um, that's amazing wow i haven't like thought about this in so long yeah tell me like what's uh, causing that decision that's awesome uh, i hope well, I, just, I just yeah i just love the co-living it's i like uh i like being around a lot of people like because it it gives that sense of kind of social freedom and social um what's it called when you feel like you have a lot of something <laughs> uh i can't remember the word like Yes, I am trying to think of it too. It's like over, like extra overflow. I don't know. Surplus yes. of, of surplus. Yes, there it is. That. Economics. I said economics. So I was so surplus. <laughs> uh, and um, and yeah. So, oh shit, what happened? Okay, sorry. I don't know if this is PG podcast. Uh, <laughs> and um, let's see. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's like. I don't feel too lonely. So I, when I go out to meet people, I feel much more comfortable. It's not like, you know, I've been hanging out with people all day. So I like, I like it a lot. I'm very much an extroverted person in that way. So for me, it's, it's a good fit. Um, I might be there until I'm 70, 80, 80 years old. I have no idea. I hope so. That'd be cool. I'm gonna, I, mean, I, really I, I, do, I do have this like one image of myself as being like the caretaker when I'm like 70 or 80, who just is like the cool caretaker who just kind of hangs out there and bonds with people and hangs out in the living room. And everyone's like, wow, they're so cool. And I'm just, yeah, that'd be my life. Wow. Interesting. So you, you, you're interested in living in those community houses for the foreseeable future. Yes. All around, all around the, wherever you're allowed to work. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really do. For sure. That's cool. Fun fact, the only the only thing keeping Elliot in the US is that he works for a healthcare company. <laughs> so it would be a HIPAA violation to not be in the US. Yes, this is true. Not not a HIPAA violation, but we, we you know, we we tell our clients that it's uh we don't do that. We don't access their data from abroad. So um yeah. <laughs> well, we'd be in Mexico right now. <laughs> Love that. There's a movie called, I'm trying to find it really quick, called The Untouchables. It's a really good film uh, about a caregiver, uh, about a Parisian aristocrat, quadriplegic. That oh, had, you know, from a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good movie. It's French. It's a really good movie. Yeah, it's French. Super good, actually. Yeah. I could see you being that hip caretaker. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. So uh, what's after New York City? Mm. I know this is hard to think about, but curious if, hard. curious if you've thought about it at all. 
What's after New York? Or are you going to be here for like a decade? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I think, I think I would probably go somewhere warm, like San Diego in the winter. So like, I think I'll maybe go leave New York in like, I don't know, November. Wait, that's when Leisha and I are thinking about. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah. well, no. All right. Well, no, uh, no surprise. Yeah. Elliot's just like, all right, well, John and Leisha are leaving. <laughs> yeah. That's my cue. What's the point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I have a, a community question for you guys, and which is, um, when in your, like, in your working career, have you felt like you had, this is a multi-part question, when have you had, um, like, the most, the strongest sense of community and a working context in which you feel like you had the least sense of community and how do you feel like that impacted uh your yeah how did that impact your your work and your overall well-being so community at the workplace you're saying like the the culture of it like community culture i guess we're well yeah i'd be interested in how you define community Mm -hmm. but like for me it's kind of the sense of like feeling comfortable with the people around you sense of like being valued not just as an employee but like as as a human being Mm. yeah i think my mine was kind of a progression of events i think every different company has different community style and then sometimes there are those people like at one company I, I they like do a multiple listing service of different real estate properties and i was helping on their dev side and they're very um they've been around for like 40 50 years or something and they're just very old embedded and you know like the very legacy software and they seemed really nice. They had like, they support a lot, a lot of people and a lot of families count on them. And, but like working there was interesting. <laughs> we'd go to like get lunches here and there, which was fun. And we'd spend time together here and there talking and meetings, but you just kind of like are in your own cubicle. Mm, then you, it was, it was pretty solid. I mean, for like a small mom and pop shop type thing. Then you've of course got like Airbnb, which has scaled quote unquote community and you know yeah artisanal kombucha at the faucets i don't know wait are Uh, these jobs that you've worked before yeah yeah these are jobs that i've worked before and and so like you have the whole tech culture which is flowing with rainbows but do you actually feel part of the community and culture? There are different tools. Sometimes like one thing I did like at Airbnb was um, they had created a custom in-house tool where every week you could sign up just randomly for a lunch randomized one-on-one. Hmm. So you can, it'll pair you up with a random person who also expressed interest in meeting up randomly. And then you got to meet someone randomly. And it was pretty cool. Hmm. That worked internally. Hmm. Um, so that was cool but then sometimes you have other issues with like if you're a contractor or a full-time there's different like privileges that come with the access of a tag or a key card and different perks or invitations to events and so there's a different feeling of othering or belonging and 
how do you solve that? And, and so there are certain things that I struggled with there too. Hmm. And then at some other companies, like I did the Apple store for a bit and, like and the, just selling Apple products. Yeah, yeah. I was a, I sold, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you, I don't even remember what you call it. Product specialist. You hmm. sell the iPhones. Oh, welcome. You know, here's my terminal. You want to check out? That's me, you know? And <laughs> like we would do, it was just interesting. You have a different cultural insight into downloads. They'd, you'd have like every morning or the pre-shift you'd meet for like five minutes before a shift and then they'd do a download for you of the day's events or the info and then they'd profess apple-like propaganda and it was <laughs> fine and and it was really solid but that's also over the top and you can definitely tell there's this it's, it's just this interesting environment where you're like this isn't fully real like this just seems very almost artificial in a way but also kind and everyone was caring but it's also like we're apple we're incredible. And then you're like, then you hear stories about other employees there and you're just like, some people don't like what's happening or, you know, it's like interesting bureaucracy in a sense, but also you had like Angela on the the screen every day. And then she'd give him like a hurrah speech. And she'd talk with her hands and be like, ah, oh, I'm connected to the corporate side. So like Apple salespeople and Apple corporate, definitely a divide. And mm. like always people are trying to get into corporate. Mm. So interesting there. Um, mm. And then now my work right now, cool quality, never met anyone in person except for like three people. And yeah, I mean, how, how do you craft culture and community on zoom calls and have teams that are small and just like, how do you organically do coffee or water cooler chats or to create bonds that way, or tap a friend on the shoulder and goof around or ask a question I don't know how you organically do that. I'm still figuring it out, but that one's a really hard one too, but enjoying it so far. I think we've got something good going. Hmm. Cool. Long, long answer, I guess. No, thank you. That was very interesting. I did not know you worked at Apple store and the, and um, artisanal kombucha. <laughs> oh, sorry. Artisanal kombucha was, was what they served at Airbnb. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, my fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what you meant. Gotcha. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like imagining you as this door-to-door like artisanal kombucha salesperson. <laughs> no, that would be fun. I, I yeah, genuinely would sell a few, actually. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, and yeah, this is kind of interesting. It's like with the with the larger companies like Airbnb and Apple, you, with these kind of like techie or like these um these strategies that they have to implement to like kind of create community and connection within the company it's like two part you're like oh yeah this is a genuinely nice thing but also like what's what's the agenda here like what (laughs) what are you trying to accomplish so yeah i I get what you're saying about that um what about you john my first job out of college was at a startup that was that grew a lot over the course of the year that i was there I think that was really cool. Um, this was before I did before before I did dev work, and I I was not particularly thoughtful about career or or building skills or anything, and I I also didn't know how to work, and so so that was that was interesting because I I liked the community and I did not like the work, and. 
it's interesting now because I, well, I, I started my current job remotely and then now I'm in the office and some days in the office, I don't talk to anyone all day. Well, some, some people, a little bit of chit chat, but I, but I also enjoy the work more, a lot more than I did at other jobs. And I think, I think over the years, I've just been smarter about knowing what I'm trying to get out of work and knowing what projects I'm trying to be a part of and, and just being really honest with myself with what I'm trying to get out of work. So, so that being said, I, I think, I think that, I mean, we all, we all see parts of this, but the idea of, of being at the office and being friends with your coworkers and, and all of that is, is changing a lot. I think, I think going forward, I will most likely be completely remote or maybe hybrid, but like probably completely remote. And, and it's not a particular goal of mine to be good friends with my coworkers. I do want to be, I do want to be friendly with my coworkers and I want to work with nice people, but if I can, if I can do my job, like work on the skills that I'm looking to gain and get paid to learn. And then also like build useful things for communities and, you know, not, not do harm, then I'm, I'm happy. Like, I don't, I don't like over the pandemic zoom happy hours were the most awkward thing. And <laughs> like, like, yeah, anyone watching, I will not attend your zoom happy hour. <laughs> Sorry about that. What about my zoom birthday party? Will you attend that? <laughs> Uh, I'll make an appearance, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you, Elliot? Um, well, yeah, that's, that is very interesting. And I, I definitely relate to the aspect of not like wanting to be friends with your coworkers. It's not like I have a resistance to it, but it's not, yeah, it's just too hard and to do. I don't think it's, it's, yeah, it's too hard like as he was saying to to make that kind of effort or at least it just takes a lot more effort than in person and and uh, but yeah it is nice to meet work with nice people too for me um yeah no that's interesting i think uh <laughs> where the the experience where I've had the most sense of community has actually been just at my local beach club in my home, in my home city, where I worked as a lifeguard for seven summers. It is by far my longest tenured position. (laughs) And yeah. And uh, that was great because I would always be seeing people that I knew uh like in the from the neighborhood my my friends would come down my my family friends my sometimes my parents would come down and like give me food or barbecue there and then like give me leftovers and yeah (laughs) so winning and there was also the fact because the job was obviously not stressful at all 
it just kind of relax and socialize with people and everything like that. Um, so that was definitely one that I felt like very, very connected. Um, and, and I think, uh, <laughs> kind of tertiary to that, I was working for about a year and a half of the pandemic from my parents' house and I was living alone. And then I would commute in the morning to my parents' house and then work from there. And I would just hang out and chat with my parents, sometimes my sister. And that was really great too. And there are mornings when my mom would be like out at the gym or something like that. And I'd come in and be like, where's my mom? I want to talk to my mom. And, uh, she would like make me lunches and food and like, you know, we would take long afternoon breaks and like go to the dog park and that was great and walk around and chat and everything like that. And that was, yeah, that was so great. So much better than like just sticking in my, staying in my apartment all the time. <laughs> and yeah. And yeah, I think it helped my work too, just because I just felt more relaxed and at ease in general. And so I could focus better and be more confident, all that good stuff. Um, situation when I did not feel a uh, sense of community was when I was a contractor at Microsoft. As many contractors at Microsoft, I think, can profess that uh, yeah, well, I was isolated into a like contractor bay, which is like separate. It's just contractors that all work on different teams. And like my actual team was like in of the full-time employees that I worked with were in like a completely separate area. And so I wasn't allowed to, like, I just, it was very inconvenient and unnatural for me to socialize with them at all. So I didn't really. And, and I also couldn't go to like their lunches, their team lunches or like any parties or anything like that for all these variety of like legal and like liability related reasons. But um, I definitely didn't feel a sense of community there and I was hard, definitely harder to feel invested in the work that I was doing because I didn't feel as strong of a connection to the people that I was working with and that, but that problem doesn't seem to maintain as much, um, in, uh, in the remote work world, you think, because everybody's on the same page. So, you know, it's nothing personal not being not, in, not not interacting on a daily basis with people it is interesting it kind of like solves that issue for othering the othering feeling in the the person in person workplaces for the contractor full-time dilemma that's pretty much everywhere i feel no <laughs> oh man especially <laughs> like i remember hearing some stories about I worked in like a digital asset management system at, at Airbnb for a bit. And one of the ladies was from Apple. And I remember them talking to me about culture there at Apple. I don't know if I'm exactly right here, but this is from their experience. Like hmm. uh, one good thing was um oh hold on one second. Um uh, speaking <laughs> microphone. Bless you. Uh, Bless but you. one one thing was like you'd you know tap on a door and you hold it open, you let people go through, right? But at Apple, I heard, and this is kind of a rumor, but also I'm pretty sure this is true because I heard it more than once, is you would like have to tap the door, close it. And then even if there's someone there, I was like, wait, what? Maybe that was like in the contract bay or something, but it was so weird. you're not allowed to hold the door open for random people. Right. If you tapped in, you have to have everybody tap in. I was like, right. whoa, that's kind of crazy. 
Um, and then, yeah, they had like a siloed room for those digital archival contractors at, at Apple and they're just totally separate and you can't mm-hmm. get it further. It's like, all right, this you're working there, but you're not really part of the culture, whatever that culture is. Yeah, it, it's, it is really a trip. Don't think differently. Think the same. Think whatever you want to think. <laughs> I think it had a scale, right? At yeah. scale. Think same. <laughs> think the same. Apple's Apple's kind of weird though, because they're Apple's employees do not know what other employees are working on. Hmm. Yeah. If you ask anyone who really? works at Apple, the, they they'll talk to you about. Well, they won't talk to you about their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super, super, super private about everything they do. It's wow. crazy. I'm I'm just confused how they enforce it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. They they're really upset when people leak things, so they track that down hardcore. Really? Yeah. MacRumors.com, they're their their enemy. Yeah. People mm-hmm. lose their jobs. Like oh, the wow. person the person who left an iPhone at a bar mm-hmm. that was uh supposed to be released a few months later. Mm. Oh yeah, I remember that. Just little things like that, but yeah. You know, it's like a careless mistake that it's not not ill-intentioned but I, I guess yeah I guess that was a big deal and, and I was talking about this yesterday because it's because Tesla and Apple are both product and design led companies mm-hmm. but Tesla takes the total opposite approach which is they're mm-hmm. just like here's our cyber truck mm-hmm. like we'll we'll make it in like two years maybe three years uh and then also there's all these drones going around their factories. <laughs> People are asking Elon mm-hmm. questions like on Twitter and mm-hmm. he's, he responds sometimes. Yeah. So it's like super open. Yeah. Interesting to see different approaches. Oh, and then they'll, they'll demo all of these solar and battery products, mm-hmm. but then not actually invest in them. And so it actually ends up boosting a lot of other stationary storage mm-hmm. and solar companies mm-hmm. because Tesla doesn't have the capacity. So, so it's like other companies will be like, oh, okay, well, we're getting more business. All right. It's it's just weird. Hmm. But whatever. Works out, it works out for Apple, it works out for Tesla. Yeah, yeah. that is very interesting. Yeah. Community at scale. Great question, Elliot. I mean, it's I, like entities that aren't people but are built by people right wow how do you scale that to to be such a big size yeah follow-up question do you think the internet is uh, a good thing for building community Uh, my initial reaction to that is technology is neither good nor bad it is how we use it Mm. and though with that right the internet being how do you scale communities I think it's done a lot, but also done a lot of a lot of positives, but a lot of negatives. And like Facebook, for example, I do have a lot of issues with in a lot of ways. And but it also is extremely fantastic for a lot of people for Facebook groups and different ways in which they chat and meet and socialize too, especially during a pandemic. So it's like, ah, I I I have so many feelings about Facebook in my own way, but it's like, all right, it works for others though. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think what I read is like that in general, like the, the psychological research that they've done for social media usage is that it's um, it's neutral or harmful if it's just people going on the internet to go on the internet, like that's the end. But if they're, if they're doing it in a way that's 
facilitating in-person meetups, then it's generally a net positive for people's lives. Mm. They're going actually makes them go out and interact with other people in the real world. That's awesome. Also depends on how you measure it and how you value different things. But yeah, in general, the more, the more time you spend on social media, there's a direct correlation with, with, uh, levels of anxiety and depression so it's 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 like a very clear relation i mean there's never causation but there there's a very uh clear relationship between more time spent on social media and levels of anxiety depression so i think for like a preteen girl it's probably like the worst (laughs) i feel like it's especially dangerous for that demographic and then maybe 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 for us three, it's it's a uh, we're we're a little bit less dumb, and so maybe we can handle it. But yeah, it depends <laughs> on the individual. Like, I don't I don't use Instagram or Facebook, and I think those ones are like the easy ones, to, like as we all defaulted <clears throat> to. But I also think there's community and the internet via video games and stuff like that and is that all in that negative and or neutral i wonder because a lot of people play like league of legends or dota or minecraft whatever you know and those are very community based or there's like a new one for young kids i have some little like little bro kids friends that i try to hang out with here and there and they play a game called like roblox and they have a lot of community i'm like Mm -hmm. whoa this stuff is pretty intense and is it good or bad i wonder or neutral what's intense exactly it's just the, the amount of time and the addictive quality to these types of games the amount of stickiness maybe hmm. is it addictive i don't know but the amount of time a lot of these kids spend is is a lot but this is um it is a bit i thought roblox was like a like a thing you're like a toy <laughs> no, that's, what? That's something else oh. roblox is <laughs> it's a video game okay. platform but but there's also a a developer ecosystem and so kids can make like skins and Mm. they can make i think you can make games on it yeah totally mini games and stuff it's like a it's like a big player in the uh in that whole metaverse world Hmm. Uh, and yeah a lot of a lot of kids are playing uh playing on roblox yeah millions there's like a little there's like a 16 year old who created and has been creating a development shop for Roblox custom-made games or something and makes over like a few hundred thousand a year now. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. And the, the demographic is like teenage boys, basically. I think younger? it's like younger, to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I think, I think the question of is, is the internet uh net good or net bad for communities? Isn't, I don't think it, I don't think it matters that much because it's it's happening anyways mm-hmm. and it's 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 just a tool to enable whatever community you want and so so it's just like if you have bad intentions then the internet lets you do bad things a lot easier and if you're if you're just a regular person who wants to meet other people like it's let's, like we watched batman last night <laughs> remember Oh, wait, you weren't there. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna spoil Batman, but this is this. If you watch Batman, this this is related to what John said. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> like, if I'm if I'm really into knitting, and I wanna I wanna hang out with people who are also into knitting, 
the internet is a great place to to get connected with people mm -hmm. i mean i'm saying all this stuff that we already know and we've lived through already so well i think it's yeah. good to oh, i think like you know people give so much hate to social media that's usually the first response so it is good to remember the the some of the positives as well uh, yeah yeah that's it's a good question great question what do you what do you think just in general well, you just <laughs> i mean yeah, the internet can be defined so broadly like if right? i if i video call john is that the internet uh, yes <laughs> they're tcip packets going back and forth or whatever <laughs> tcip packets. is it tcip or something type of packets that are going back and forth of data right now to keep our voice via yeah, exactly. this. Yeah, right this is the internet so yes <laughs> are we fostering community right now i don't know <laughs> or are we making the world a worse place <laughs> <laughs> do we have bad intentions with this <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, is YouTube bad because we're just adding content to YouTube and or Spotify and or Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts? Like, is this, are we contributing to the addiction of society? Yeah, I don't think we are here. <laughs> <laughs> to the one to two listeners, we have lost two now. <laughs> yeah, with like the burgeoning of TikTok, you know, which is like 10 to 20 second videos the one hour podcast those are the true danger <laughs> with with 10 listeners and five five of them being john and hugh like making sure that it works <laughs> re, re, refresh <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah um, but i do think so actually so i uh, it's funny you bring that up internet and community so really <clears throat> cool idea that there's a one day, hopefully I'll be able to name drop them, but uh, right now I don't think I'm, I want to, is they're an NFT creator shop and they're trying, they're like a group of three trying to create a startup and they work two doors down for me in the office that I'm in. And I was just had lunch. I just had lunch with them yesterday. And it's a really interesting idea for anyone here. That's interesting. And I'm kind of curious now to think about this from a moon tea podcast perspective. And so with the rise of cryptos and nfts and stuff there's the ability to kind of create like artwork for it and everybody knows about artwork but a lot of that is just valueless but there's this interesting thing and that's what i was diving deeper into yesterday and i was like whoa i mean it's simple but makes sense it's like these communities like board ape club or the gary vv club type thing they actually have these NFTs that give out to people that are limited supply that people can purchase as like seats to then get access to certain events and or be part of certain communities. So you're talking about like the next generation of what is the internet, huh. I guess we call it web three of community. And I'm, I'm genuinely thinking like, how do we get our own, you know, long story technical, our own smart contract that is minting our own NFTs for a Moonty podcast for us to each have tokens of access for contribution and or just being part of it and just find something we can do with it. I don't know. Like, how do we play? And so I've been really lacking personally the feeling of play and or exploration in my personal life compared to work life and like personal projects. And so that's something I do want to look. I've talked about this for months, but I'm figuring it out, John. I didn't know where to look, but it, had, it was a really cool thing yesterday. And um, yeah, so like, what is the internet? 
good or bad for community. I think it's how we take it, how we use it, but also there's some really cool new cutting edge developments for how the artistic community and the creator community have been and are utilizing this and how can we possibly hop on the train that might be fun for us three and others. Stay tuned. That's very cool. So you can make like a and it's some kind of an exclusive membership that's based on an <laughs> NFT technology. Yeah, yeah, because it's basically crypto underlying and each crypto asset is just a unique address. So it's your own private key. So your own private like lock. And so everybody can get their own private key to a community, virtual community, right? And then that can cause us to, I don't really exactly know, but I guess that's where the, what everybody literally is trying to figure out and play with. But yeah, it's like scaling community, your, your hacker house, your, or whatever, you know, your community house might even have their own crypto thing of NFTs or who knows, man. It's interesting. Are they like, um, do they stay around? Like if you give someone an NFT membership to, to your community, like, do they, they get that forever essentially. Yeah. It's really cool. So basically imagine we all have our own wallets, right? Like I've got a wallet here and it's a digital wallet. And if I come in and I'm like, Hey, and I'm Elliot, here you go. Here's your key. You now own it in your wallet yeah. and forevermore until you transfer it to someone else. Uh, and, or like that blockchain totally crashes and the world blows up and all the database servers go down and we lose all that data, which mm-hmm. will not probably happen. Uh, those are the only ways that you will ever lose that key. Yeah. Huh? Interesting. Hmm. That's very cool. But that would help solve some interesting issues. That's why people are excited about it. Yeah. I tried to be excited about it, and then there's too much out there. <laughs> so if anyone can TLDR it and the things we should care about, please come on the podcast and let us know. Please. Uh, that being said, Elliot, we're nearing the hour, and we were curious what words of wisdom and parting thoughts you had for our listeners words of wisdom <laughs> um good question uh let's see value relationships over work mm, that sounds yeah yeah very true yeah relationships on instagram where i just like everyone's photos and like those types of <laughs> yes like everyone's photos that's like the I'm people saying. you follow on twitter <laughs> yeah a retweets <laughs> you heard it here first yeah tweets pinterest everything <laughs> i love that mm. yeah. love that what about you guys i want to hear your words of wisdom too this is the elliot podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm just being selfish i just, I just need some wisdom <laughs> mm. what would it be go for a walk and try to see the sunset at least three times a week minimum wow oh that's ambitious <laughs> <laughs> i'll try I'll, I'll try to do one the next week how about that <laughs> done do it do it do it, yeah. do it try to be super focused when you are working so that you can be done with the thing when you're not working and oh can, seriously yeah i mean i'm so not sure not 100 with it but i'm trying yeah yeah 
That's a good one. Pomodoro. I like that one. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, with that, I think we've come to another episode. I didn't even realize time flew by so fast. Um, yeah, so Elliot, thank you so much for coming on for a second time to the Moon Tea Podcast. That was a blast. This, <laughs> this is really that awesome. That was really fun. I had a great time. <laughs> Hopefully we can maybe do this again sometime. I would love it. I would love it. I would love it. We'll do like check-ins. We'll just be like, yeah. all right, what's next? <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is to anyone listening who might be new. If if you are, awesome, welcome. If not, cool. But this is a <laughs> podcast where we talk about craft, community, building meaningful careers. If you ever have any questions, want to reach out, or have anyone you can suggest and you think would enjoy coming on the podcast, feel free to email us at moonteapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we've got our co-hosts, John Kim, myself, Hugh Berryman, hosting and saying see ya again next time. Peace. Peace.